Hello, and welcome to this podcast from Consider This. Please let me know what you think and tell others about us on social media. This podcast was originally broadcast live on Northumberland 89.7 FM. You can hear this show live every Friday at noon. Thank you for downloading this program, and I hope you enjoy it. Hello, I'm Robert Washburn, and welcome to Consider This Northumberland, a current affairs program dedicated to the issues facing our community. We talk to the people on the front lines and those behind the scenes who make a difference in your life in Northumberland County. So I'm asking you, the listener, to take some time out of your busy day to consider this. On September 30th, many people will commemorate Orange Shirt Day. It is a time to reflect on the horrors of residential schools and to recommit to truth and reconciliation with Indigenous people within our community and across the country. On today's show, you will hear from Tanner Simpson, Chief of Alderville First Nation. He brings a different perspective. For many years, he has worked on researching residential schools, locating graves, finding names, gathering information about those impacted. He knows residential schools intimately. He will shed a fresh light on Orange Shirt Day and its meaning. It is my pleasure to welcome Alderville First Nations Chief Tanner Simpson to consider this Northumberland. Welcome, Chief. Uh, thank you for having me. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here. What does Orange Shirt Day mean to you personally, not as a politician or as a community leader, but as an individual? Uh, to me, Orange Shirt Day is a culmination of where we have come and how far we have come, uh, starting in the late 1990s, uh, when I was working for um, a private company, we started the um, residential schools uh, litigation research, it was brand new. Um, the Minister of Indian Affairs at the time, Jane Stewart, had apologized for um, what had happened at the schools. And that um, started the floodgates of litigation against the Crown once the acknowledgement of wrongdoings was admitted. So at that point, um, generally residential schools weren't well known in the country to the larger population. So when I started, um, I, I was still young, I was still in university, and um, I, I saw it transform from the litigation to alternative dispute resolution. And then eventually in 2006, there was the um, uh, the Indian Residential School Settlement uh, Agreement that was signed with the Assembly of First Nations and Indian Affairs. So that's when all of the research moved over to uh, just settlement agreement research where we uh, just needed to research the, um, the students' uh, records. And for me, I was well invested. I started my own company in 2000 where we became the lead company doing this research for the, the survivors and for the government. So to, to see it come to where it is now, it's, uh, it, it means that um, all of these uh, wrongdoings and uh, concerns that the, the survivors have had are, are finally being acknowledged on the national scale. And um, especially when we're starting to find the, uh, the unmarked burials, which is a project that uh, I led for the National Center for Truth and Reconciliation for two years, where we identified uh, all of the uh, children that uh, are archivally, uh, we were able to identify that passed away at the schools. Uh, we identified missing children. And the next step is um, identifying the, the burials. And the next step would be, what are we going to do with these burials? Are we going to leave them in place? Um, do the communities want to um, uh, um, 
basically bring them back into their community and give them a proper burial. So it's going to be uh, up to the communities and the individuals themselves on what the next step forwards is. But uh, to see uh, Orange Shirt Day become what it is now, it's um, it, I'm not going to say it's a dream come true, but it's just a, a very important recognition uh, on a national level that uh, is long overdue. It sounds to me like you've been intimately involved in this right from the very, very beginning. And you've talked about it in terms of a process. Uh, how did it, though has it impacted you in, the, in terms of how you feel and emotionally um, to have been so close to it, to watch it unfold, to be exposed to all the stories and the background? Well, as the father of um, two teenage girls, uh, they're 15 and 13 right now, when they were becoming uh, at, at around when they were five and just turning six, it, to me, it was very emotional knowing that historically that would have been when the government and the, the RCMP would be coming to just literally seize the children. And uh, for the next 10 years, I wouldn't be able to see them very much, maybe on Christmas, maybe on summer a little bit. Um, but knowing that... Uh, this was the way it was for our people for over 100 years, really affected me. I felt guilty being able to have this time with my children. I felt guilty knowing that this was something that was denied to so many hundreds of thousands of children in our in our past. So to me, it's, uh, it hit home that way. I treasure every single moment I've got with my, my kids. And it's just something that um, as a parent, you can really understand the, the emotional turmoil that this would have caused. So it's uh, I think every parent, every person should feel feel the, the horrors that this this was. In case there are listeners who may not fully appreciate the significance of Orange Shirt Day, could you remind us about what we're commemorating? Well, we're commemorating the children who didn't come home, the children that did come home, but uh, lost a part of themselves in the schools. And um, specifically, Orange Shirt Day is based around the experience of Phyllis Webstead, who, uh, when she was preparing to go off to residential schools, um, she was given a nice new orange shirt that quickly became her favorite shirt. And she was going to proudly wear it around the school. Uh, and then when she arrived at the school, everything that she had brought was seized, uh, thrown in the garbage, and she never saw that orange shirt again. So she was denied the ability to wear her new orange shirt at school um, because she was assuming that it was going to be like a regular school. But uh, instead, it was um, an institution of assimilation and genocide. So all of these children had to go through this from a young age, from six to 16. And um, we honor them with Orange Shirt Day um, because it's something that we can never um, we can never forget that happened. And we've got to keep that uh, memory alive because it wasn't too long ago that these schools um, closed down. Uh, 1997 is when the last school closed, and that was Gordon's Residential School in Saskatchewan. Did you or anyone in your family go to residential school? No, fortunately, we were spared. Um, here in Alderville, where I live, we had what was called an Indian Day School. So that was, um, that was for the government, that was good enough for the children to attend. Um, but prior to that, Alderville was actually the home to Canada's first industrial school, which was the precursor to the residential school system. So our band office today is located on the site of the very first industrial school in Canada. So that's something every day when I go to work and I walk in there, I, I carry that with me. Um, and, and knowing that uh, we, we're on a very historically significant um, piece of land. 
Did you attend the uh, day school? No, the uh, day school closed in the late 1960s. And after that point, um, all uh, the uh, students uh, either went to the Rosene Public School or, or went uh, in town. Uh, but personally, myself, I grew up in London, Ontario. Um, so I went to the, um, the, the school system in there. What was it like for you going to school? Did you, what sort of things did you face uh, as an Indigenous person at a public school? Well, uh, back in that time in the 1980s, um, the understanding of Indigenous issues was quite low. They had the uh, the Hollywood and cartoon um, idea. We were basically a caricature. So if I did have the um, the courage to bring up my Indigenous um ancestry uh i was basically ridiculed i would get the uh the kids running around with uh hooting and hollering and doing that thing where they they um uh you know they hit their mouth and and they whoop it up and so i knew that that was that was wrong they would say go back to your longhouse or say you don't live in a longhouse you can't be indian so um it, it was definitely met with uh derision and ridicule um and so i basically learned not to talk about being first nations what sort of again? What sort of impact did that have on you in that early stages of your your life, facing such racism? Well, it let me know that um, I was different. I wasn't um, experiencing the uh, the average or the typical uh, experience that a child would be having. Um, it, it made me understand that uh, we uh, obviously had different histories, and then that made me ask questions: Why do we have different histories? So this is what got me into. Um, the career that I launched down, which was um, uh, forming my company, Wampum Records. Uh, and we look into all these issues the, from historical backgrounds, from cultural, from societal backgrounds. As an anthropologist, I'm really interested in society and culture. So I just wanted to, I had so many questions that I wanted answered. So I proceeded to, to go live my life in a way that I could get the answers to these questions. Can you share with us a bit about your own discovery of your Indigenous identity and, and how you cultivated that? Well, um, again, as a child in the 80s, uh, growing up in the 80s and the 90s, uh, there wasn't too many outlets in the city to to learn about the culture. Uh, there were friendship centers, but um, we didn't go to them very often. So I did look at the the media and then you would try to pick good movies versus the bad movies. So a lot of uh, my sense of who we were did come from Hollywood. Um, like you've got your last the Mohicans, I want to say, or your dances with wolves, you know, those were like seminal ones. But um, then I started listening to the music. I started going to the powwows. And that's when I got a real sense of our culture, who we were, um, knowing that, uh, you know, the sound of the drum, it really affects you. You can feel it in your heart. So that's when I think um, I was truly informed about who we were. I could sense it. I could feel it. And uh, I was very happy that uh, I did attend the, the powwow uh, at a young age. And so um, from there, I think I didn't want to get it wrong. I wanted to make sure that uh, that I had all the information moving forward. You mentioned earlier you have two daughters. What do you do to help educate them about their culture, their history? Well, living um, in Alderville and having them grow up in Alderville, it's uh, it's something that's always been around them. So it's a lot easier uh, when you're surrounded by Indigenous people. We go to communities, uh, Indigenous gatherings. Um, so I, I think that they've kind of absorbed it naturally. 
I've always told them, um, I've gone against, I guess, what's being taught in the, the classes about history. So I informed them about the uh, the treaties and the um, the lack of understanding around them, the true history uh, of, of how we came to be, um, that Canada wasn't just always here and that we were just always, you know, pushed to the bottom of uh, society, that uh, in fact, you know, we have a strong, uh, proud history uh, for, for tens of thousands of years here in um, North America. And that's uh, what we are experiencing now is, is actually just a, a quite a recent blip on the history of our people and now we're just coming to terms with it but uh, I fight the narrative um, uh, that that's generally prevalent in uh, Canadian society. There are many experts who say the impact of residential schools is transgenerational or intergenerational trauma especially with your background what is your experience with this aspect either in your family or within the community? Well, that's a very good question. Um, when you think of intergenerational trauma, uh, you you think of it as the children who are born to survivors who didn't go to the school themselves, and the survivors have that um, uh, ingrained um, knowledge of abuse, and it's uh, it breaks bonds between parents and children. So you have this aspect where we in a lot of ways we're still hurting uh we're still trying to heal ourselves but uh historically you would have had um several generations of uh family members who attended these residential schools so you could be one the sixth or seventh in your generation your line that has gone through these schools so the um the damage that residential schools caused was uh deep uh i mean its purpose was to uh not only assimilate us but also to get rid of us so when you go through that for so long you're going to come out damaged um and you don't just all of a sudden forget everything and when you leave the school and start living a, a normal life with your culture like the culture has been lost the language was lost uh we're getting that back now but um you know without uh, uh your culture like how can you um, be a strong people so it's going hand in hand relearning our culture um relearning the language that's paramount to uh to healing and going forward much of the focus on Orange Shirt Day is on the past. What issues do children in Alderville or other Indigenous communities face today? Well, I, I think that there's still concerns about what's being taught in the schools about Indigenous uh, culture. There are still a lot of deniers uh, that uh, residential schools were a bad thing. Um, we, we know that the, there's been some issues with teachers uh, saying as much. Um, so we, we need to always combat that. Uh, so we don't want the children hearing one thing uh, from us and then going to uh, like non-Indigenous schools and, and hearing something different that uh, that basically takes the um, you know, the the carpet right out from under you and then they don't know. So we need to make sure that the narrative uh, stays the same and uh, across the board. So children need to be children. That's the one thing we have to take away is, is that our children for generations were denied being allowed to be children. So, um, you know, when you think of Orange Shirt Day, uh, it's not really a celebration, but it is a celebration that we are now liberated, that children can be children. So I think we should focus on, um, you know, just giving the children the best possible um, uh, foot up in life. And, and you know, we, we just want to celebrate them. Um, but it, again, it's not supposed to be a celebratory day, but in a way it, it is. 
Where do you see the need for new advocacy in indigenous communities and places like Alderville? Well, I think uh, moving forward, um, uh, our Williams Treaty Settlement Agreement uh, that we reached in 2018 was a reaffirmant of our treaty rights on our lands, our traditional lands. So my grandfather was at the signing of the um, the original uh, Williams Treaty signing 100 years ago. And now for that pretty much 100 year period, our treaty rights were stomped on, they were crushed. Um, we nothing that we were allowed to we were put on these reserves and you know the government controlled every single facet of our lives so with the new settlement agreements the governments uh the federal and provincial governments apologized for for this so that means that moving forward they're they are going to try to um, uh, keep the treaty relationship strong. So this means consultation on anything that has to do within our uh, treaty territory. So we are getting um, uh, engaged by power companies, uh, construction companies. Anytime they're doing something, they, they call us to see if we have concerns, which we always have archaeological concerns. Um, environmental concerns are big. Um, the one thing that we're really upset about right now is uh, Doug Ford's uh, decision to uh, take lands out of the green belt and put into development, which we just think is a completely wrong-headed uh, approach. Uh, they don't need to tear down these pristine um, green spaces where there already exist spaces within the cities that they can build up. There's smart growth. There's a reason the green belt's there. Once you once you develop this green space, you take away the farmlands, you take away the wetlands, you can never put that back. Um, so you're you're basically killing a piece of of the land and the country. So we are totally against that. We weren't consulted on that. They say we were consulted, but uh, we weren't. What about on a local level, though? I mean, down in Brighton, there's that development on the shores of uh, Lake Ontario that uh, they had done an archaeological dig and found significant. Uh, archaeological artifacts. Um, there's also uh, ongoing development taking place in across North Northumberland County. Um, what are you going to be doing locally to protect uh, and assert your uh, land rights? Well, we're definitely ramping up our um, consultation um, coordinator's position. So we're going to expand from a single consultant um, to um, uh, a whole department. So this is um, our plan moving forward so that we will have, uh, say, archaeological um, field representatives, people that we can send out in the field to observe what's going on, because uh, it's not enough to just get there, say that they're going to protect our, our burials and our um, our archaeology. So we want to have eyes on the ground where we can actually see this. For, so um, by having a consultation department, we, we can have as many fields um, assistance as we need, uh, as many consultants, because every day we're getting emails. So our consultation coordinator is currently swamped. Um, I can see how much she's doing. So she's, she's amazing. Um, but it'd be great to, uh, to take some of that burden off by bringing in more people so that uh, we can do this um, without letting anything slip through the cracks. Orange Shirt Day is gaining within public's consciousness. More and more people know what it is and wish to honor it. Yet, the other day, I went into Walmart and they were selling Orange Shirt Day t-shirts. And when you go online, it appears there are so many businesses now that are selling the shirts and other items with different designs and so on. Do you worry that the meaning of Orange Shirt Day is getting lost in the commercialism? Well, that is a very good question. Um... So 
when you're going to purchase your orange shirt, there's a few considerations you should have. Um, firstly, is it made by an Indigenous artist? Is the, the company that made it Indigenous? And most importantly, are the profits and the proceeds coming from the sales of the shirt going to the survivors of residential schools? So unless they're hitting those points, you're probably not doing a good thing by buying these shirts, um, especially if you're buying it from like a brand from Walmart where they're made in uh, say uh, overseas and all the profits are going to Walmart and these overseas company and not a dime is going to um, residential school survivors. So the whole key is to, to make sure that the um, any, any profits after you make these shirts are going to the survivors. So that was always the intention. Um, so if you do have to go with the non-indigenous supplier, ask, see if the profits are going to the survivors and get a little bit of proof too, because they might just say, oh, of course they are, but uh, if, if they might not know themselves. So it's very important to know uh, where your shirt comes from and, and uh, where it's going. Do you think Orange Shirt Day advances truth and reconciliation? I definitely believe that uh, it's uh, both of those. Um, it's reconciliation and the fact that we're engaging the the larger Canadian population. It's a day for us uh, to um, talk about the schools. Uh, we should be talking about it every day, but um, at least we have one day where the whole country is coming together to try to learn. Um, we are finding less and less um, uh, pushback from from the larger population that we first did. Uh, like the comments that we received originally were we're pretty bad from, from a segment of the population. So every year it gets less and less and the turnouts uh, supporting the day become more and more. So that act alone, that's um, how that's happening. That's reconciliation. And the truth aspect is coming from uh, when a survivor will speak and tell their stories. And you still have these deniers who say that it didn't happen, that they're lying, that the schools were a good thing. They got an education, they got housed and cared for and fed. And that's all garbage. Um, it's basically, if you send someone to a jail, you don't talk about how great of an experience they had in jail. Um, it, it, it's, it's ridiculous that people would think that there's anything positive about these schools. So we need to keep hammering that message home. And that's what Orange Shirt Day does. How do you think people living in Northumberland County can take steps to advance meaningful truth and reconciliation beyond this one day? Well, I think it comes from just a, a an understanding. Uh, if you've got kids, let them know the history. Let them know that they're lucky that they weren't Indigenous and had to go to these horrible uh, institutions. Um, you know, if, if there's if you come across an Indigenous person who's not doing well off, um, you can probably bet that that person is either intergenerationally um, traumatized or they're themselves a survivor of uh, residential schools. So if you think of a six-year-old that was out of school in say 1998, they're, they're not that old right now. You know, they're just in their early thirties. So you can't say that person wasn't in a residential school because they're young looking. They still very well could have been. Um, so it's just having a, an understanding for your neighbors who are indigenous uh, and, and what they potentially have gone through and try to try to meet them on their level of where they are at in their healing um, journey. So I think just the kindness um, and putting forth good energy where you're not um, rehashing the um, the false narrative of the past. You're talking about things in a new way that people haven't talked about before. So that's something that every person can do. If you could sit down next to anyone in the community and talk one-on-one -on -one with them, what message would you like to leave with them? 
Well, I would like to say that, um, you know, these schools were, were awful um, and it is part of the, the past of Canada and you really have to understand what Canada is as a country and how it was founded. Um, this was all Indigenous territory at one point and, and the nation building process of the the new government of Canada was to annihilate Indigenous rights, Indigenous land rights, and to uh, basically stick us in the basement. And residential schools was the main focus of this uh, assimilation and genocide, that uh, it wasn't something that they were trying to do to help us. Um, you know, Canada has a very fraught history. We have to come to terms with it. It's, it wasn't done in the proper way. And moving forward, we should try to build a future that it would have been had things been done properly in the first place. Are there any special events planned for Orange Shirt Day this year? Uh, I would say every First Nation and uh, town has uh, events. Uh, so here in Alderville, we're having a special day planned at the uh, Health Services Building. We have a nice long round uh, walking track that people can walk around and get off whenever they uh, they choose. Um, we're going to have a jingle dress dancing. We're going to have drumming. It's going to be a, a day that everyone is welcome to. Now, normally we walk down the 45 from the health services building to our community center, but this year it's conflicting with uh, the Roseneath Fair. So for uh, out of abundance of safety, we're not going to be walking down the 45 while cars are trying to get to the fair. So that was just a recipe for disaster. So unfortunately, we can't do a walk this year. Um, but uh, I've been invited to events in Coburg, uh, Port Hope. I'm going to be going there at four o'clock for their events that they're happening. Um, so I'm going to try to get out there as much as possible. And um, the interesting thing about it being on a Saturday this year is a lot of events are happening on the 29th, seeing as it's a Friday. So um, in a lot of ways, we're having two days. So uh, I've got the 29th and the 30th all booked for uh, for going out and seeing what, uh, what the communities are doing and how they're um, acknowledging Orange Shirt Day. Chief Tanner Simpson, thank you so much for talking to me today. Oh, thank you very much. That was Tanya Simpson, Chief of Alderville First Nation. I want to thank my guests this week for talking to me, and I want to thank all the listeners for tuning in today. Please join me again next week when we will talk to the people on the front lines and those behind the scenes who make a difference in your life and Northumberland County. So please tune in. If you would like to listen or share this or any podcast, please check out my website at consider-this.ca. There you will find past podcasts, news, and other information about life and politics in Northumberland County. Or you can go to the radio station's website at northumberland897.ca. I'm Robert Washburn. Thanks for taking time out of your day to listen in, and I hope over the week you will continue to consider this. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Consider This. If you have any comments or would like to suggest a story, please contact me at considerthisnorthumberland at gmail.com or you can message me on Facebook at Consider This. If you enjoyed this podcast or are looking for more news and information about Northumberland County, please check out my website at consider-this.ca. That's consider-this.ca. And don't forget to share. And again, thank you for listening and stay tuned for more from Consider This.